0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are here to teach you all of the things that you didn't learn or didn't learn correctly in school. All of them in this
1: episode. Everything. We're starting with A, and we're going on through Z, and then onto the weird Russian letters, and then onto all of the other languages.
0: And hold on to your hats, kids, because we're going to teach you all about carrying the one.
1: Like carrying the one, like Neo from The Matrix?
0: I am not going to teach any kids to carry Keanu Reeves. Keanu does not need your assistance.
1: That man's a goddamn treasure.
0: But I'll tell you, I've been seeing all over Facebook these parents who are trying to help their kids with math, and they're saying kids don't even know what carry the one means. And I was a teacher for many years, but certainly not a math teacher. Kids would ask me for math help, and I mean, I can do middle school level math. I couldn't help them, but there was never an opportunity to carry the one in anything I helped them with. What do they do
1: instead? I don't know. It's like, I I saw an explanation of how they do it now. It makes no sense to me. It might as well be Greek. Like, do they add extra steps and, like, do some addition at the
0: bottom? Yeah, they
1: added some extra steps because, well, this is, it's a stupid reason and they should just go back to teaching it the old way.
0: Back in my day, we learned math the right
1: way. Kids
0: nowadays have it so easy with their extra steps that their parents
1: and theater teachers can't help them with. Yeah. Kids, there's a calculator app on your phone, and that's all you need to lo- know about <laughs> mathematics.
0: No, it's not that phone. No, app, that phone app cannot do most things. A yeah. graphing calculator, on the other there hand. There is a
1: graphing calculator app.
0: There is? Yeah, how
1: did you not? Of course, there is. Okay,
0: when was the last time you saw me willingly do math? Uh,
1: yesterday, when we were playing a board game.
0: Oh my god, we played Lost Cities yesterday. Ugh. He read the rules out loud to me and at three points asked me if I wanted to play something else because of the look on my face as he
1: read the rules. It was partway between I smell a fart and this is bullshit. I want to go home.
0: So basically the face Jessica was making during the entirety of Love is Blind. Whoa,
1: whoa. She is 34 and Mark is 24. That's a 10 year difference. Are we sure? Because
0: there has to be some ones carried at some point, I think.
1: Oh man, only <laughs> Jessica could do that. Mark couldn't do that math. She didn't know how to carry the one. We
0: have been, I've been working from home for two weeks, Austin, for one. and The week before you were pretty much here the whole week too. Yeah. So we've been playing a lot of board games. Like we mentioned last time, our local game shop is having a a 19 games in 19 days competition where you can enter $50 gift cards. We've played games, and I got to teach him Yahtzee. He'd never played it before.
1: Yahtzee. I never got. I got to yell Yahtzee once. It was exciting.
0: He won both times. Beginner's luck on that. Yeah. We're still not sure who won at Lost Cities because we are both reading the math in different ways. Yeah. Okay.
1: They didn't do order of operations right in this game. And speaking of things we've watched, oh my God, Tiger King. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: I, that was like six solid hours of not thinking about anything that's happening in the world right now. Oh
1: my, it was a vacation.
0: A horrible, horrible vacation.
1: It's like, and really, that show is just, that could only happen, this could only happen in Oklahoma. And Florida. And Florida. And the Carolinas. And the Carolinas. like, (laughs) notice how like none of them were in like Michigan or Minnesota.
0: Although the zoos like this exist all over the country. Yeah. Basically, like this show, it's everything. It has, it has everything. Like every time you think it can't get crazier, it adds a new layer to itself. If this wasn't a documentary, if this was like a fiction piece, the producers would have put a stop to it saying, no one will believe this. Just
1: like, oh, just, I can't even talk about this show because every moment is somehow better than every other moment. And worse. And worse.
0: Now, if you, like us, are animal lovers, there are going to be some parts that are really, really hard to watch because many of these people mistreat their animals. I can't tell on all of them that we didn't get enough of a good good look at their animals and at their feeding, but the way they treat each other, we care way less about that, even though it's worse.
1: Like we almost stopped watching it because like, oh no, they're being mean to tigers. And then, oh, so you're telling me there's just like a murder and someone had an arm. Okay, that's fine.
0: Everybody's going to kill each other and trick people into having sex with them for meth. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there are two different sex cults happening. Okay. So many sex cults. I I don't even know how to describe what happened. I I lived in Oklahoma for a while. This gets brought up weirdly often. I think when we talk about history, it can all kind of be brought back to the weird shit that goes down in Oklahoma.
1: Oklahoma. Want to hear my hot take? Okay. Oklahoma's America's real Florida. (laughs) Florida, it's flashier, it's sunnier, it's easier to make fun of because it's this peninsula and it's on the East Coast and there's big cities. Oklahoma's crazier you just don't know it because it's Oklahoma and nobody goes there voluntarily.
0: Oklahoma is the Florida of landlocked areas is what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Oklahoma's the real Florida. Florida's the faker.
0: No, we went to the Carolinas as part of our honeymoon. I think, I think this place was in South Carolina. Oh, uh, it was Myrtle, North Carolina. Myrtle Beach, whichever one that's in, that's where it
1: was. Oh yeah, that's where, oh yeah. We also went to a one of those a weird reptile house when we were in the Carolinas too.
0: Yeah, I remember being in that weird reptile house and kind of feeling squinchy about how some of the animals were in there, but it's like nothing compared to this. But I remember seeing ads for Dr. Psychopaths tiger Animal fa- tag,
1: Tiger Farm, which
0: is still open right now, by the way. And I don't mean like in general this place still exists. I mean during coronavirus, it is still open for business.
1: I can understand it being open for like the purpose of you still need to take care of these animals because real zoos are still open because they need to take care of animals. But he's still having tourists come in and pet tigers.
0: For what What did he say? I think he was the one who was like at $655 or was that Carol?
1: No, he, um, his changes like airplane tickets. It can be like 451 day or $1,000 the next depending on demand.
0: I demand that you stop. Yeah. That is my demand. So. And since you're depending things on demand, you have to now. But like the reason I mentioned I used to live in Oklahoma, I lived in suburban Oklahoma, right? One of my neighbors had a monkey.
1: I mean, Ross had a monkey. Do you really want to be like Ross?
0: Yeah, like, we drove down the street and we just see this family outside playing with a monkey. It was the most bizarre thing. And then when you would drive to Kansas, you would see a zebra and ostrich farm And the fences were not high enough, so there was ostrich roadkill. (laughs) Now, can you imagine making that insurance phone call? Well, my car got totaled because there was a fucking ostrich on the highway, and it ran out in front of me, and I couldn't stop.
1: Oh, and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, State Farm doesn't cover ostrich collisions. (laughs) You should have read the fine print in that. That will be $500, please.
0: But yeah, this show, it was was just, it had everything. It was one of those things where you're watching it and, okay, I'm assuming all of you know the basic premise at this point. So they're making this documentary about this, like, tiger. Okay, it started off, as I understand it, as they liked reptiles and they were going to find people who owned reptiles. And then they were like, you've got to check out these people who own tigers. And so they start seeing these tiger people, start seeing these feuds that are happening, start seeing the different treatments, start... And I think the original goal was basically to show how these different zoos are run, and see if they understand how their treatment affects the animals. You can actually see that at the very end when they're talking to one of the one of the people, and he's like, "Maybe I did this wrong." Yeah. And so th- I think that was the original documentary.
1: But then, then Joe Joe Exotic uh, put out a hit on a woman he hated. Who is also like a large cat private zoo owner lady, and they just hate each other. And he put out a hit on her and got arrested and while a documentary a- is being filmed about him. And this is in the first episode.
0: Yeah, that you this none of this will be a surprise even if you're just starting because they they I think they start the show with him calling from jail. Yeah,
1: and just cra- it goes so mad. It's like it's like this weird feud between uh, a homosexual, polygamist, redneck cult. And a lady
0: whose first husband mysteriously disappeared, but boy, she sure knows how to make tigers attack people.
1: Yeah, yeah. her husband mysteriously disappeared and was totally not eaten by a tiger, no matter what she says.
0: And then there's this third guy, who is also a polygamist, maybe, and entrances young girls into come joining him and dresses them up as, oh my, it's a whole thing. And like, like, weird, like,
1: Leather vests?
0: Like, in all of this, we, granted we didn't get to see a whole lot of them, but in all of this, the drug lord who Scarface was based on is the least frightening one and who also takes the best care of the animals as far as we could tell as we far didn't as get we a good tell. we didn't get a good look we can't vouch for that 100% yeah but oh dear god guys if you need to get away from the world go watch tiger king and uh have a whole box of wine ready
1: it was the best thing that happened this week
0: <laughs> yeah that that's a fact
1: that is a fact and
0: also it gets weirder like keep like after you watch it read articles about these people it gets weirder
1: yeah this they did their best but they can't cover everything and there's a lot more out there yeah So who gets to go first this time?
0: I get to go first this time. (gasps)
1: You get to go first?
0: Yeah, last week we started with your Victorian sex cult, Tiger King, Yeah. and then we went into my Cyrus the Great. Well, this week I was researching a topic and it kept branching off into all these different topics and I couldn't find a focus, so I might go back to it. So Austin actually doesn't know what I'm talking about today.
1: I, I very rarely know what you're talking about.
0: On the podcast, you don't even know my topic.
1: Oh, yeah, that too.
0: So this week, this episode is going to come out
1: on what date? Uh, March 31st.
0: March 31st. What's the day after March 31st?
1: April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Isn't that your favorite holiday?
0: I have two holidays that I absolutely can't stand. Groundhog's Day. Hate Groundhog's Day, except for the movie. The movie's
1: awesome. What about the musical?
0: I actually haven't seen it, but I've heard it's really good. And April Fool's Day. I... You heard me talk about Tiger King. I like to be very judgmental. I don't like being mean to people, and I feel like April Fool's Day is just mean. So I decided to research, like, what the fuck is April Fool's Day? Why is the world doing this to us? So this is the history of April Fool's Day. Go ahead. I got my stuff from History.com Reader's Digest, The
1: Street, not
0: from The Streets, The Street, which is a website.
1: (laughs) I I knew you were going to ask. It's like, I just went out and it's like, hey, I know we're supposed to be social distancing, but guy on the corner, tell me about April Fool's Day. And he was like, I've got the deal. (laughs) Britannica, Wonderopolis, and hoaxes.org. Oh, I bet there's been a lot of hoaxes on April Fool's Day.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when we think of April Fool's Day, we think of it as kind of a funny, ha I fooled you kind of joke. We put it back on ourselves. It wasn't, though, not originally, and it still really isn't. It's, it's about being a bully. So there are a few schools of thought about where it comes from. Now, first of all, because everything we ever talk about seems to go back to the Greeks and or the Romans, they come in here a couple of times. The Romans had a festival called Hilaria. Hilarious. It was at the end of March and people dressed up in disguises and played jokes on each other. Like people, common people would dress up as nobles and do things they couldn't get away with the rest of the year. Almost like rich people can get away with stuff that the rest of us can't. What? That has never happened. like they can do crazy things like buy the LaLaurie mansion like Nicolas Cage did or... get
1: Buy a Tyrannosaurus skull illegally like Nicolas Cage did. Beat Nicolas Cage
0: like Nicolas Cage is... But it gets even weirder with the Romans, because it always does. So in 1708, someone wrote the magazine British Apollo and asked, Whence proceeds the custom of making April fools? So 1708, we know for sure it's happening. The magazine said that Dionysus, who's Greek, and that's a whole other thing, mentioned a transaction between the Romans and the Sabines. The Romans early on in their city couldn't find wives because, you know, they're killing everybody and people don't seem to want to marry you if you're going to murder them. So they began- yeah, what's up with that? They said that there was going to be a series of games at the beginning of April, according to the Roman calendar. And it was going to be an honor of Neptune. Everybody should come see these games, you know, kind of like the Olympics and stuff like that. So neighboring people came out and wanted to watch these festivities, including the Sabines. The Romans... Used this. There were no games. There were no games. They ambushed them, grabbed the Sabine virgins, raped them, and forced them to become Romans. Oh! And the British Apollo said of that, which imposition we may suppose may be the foundation of this foolish custom. Because, you know, getting raped and married off to your rapist is an imposition.
1: Um, I can't, there's not words.
0: They also referred to the girls as the fools.
1: That's, that's a, that's that's not a prank. That's not how you do this. like, how you
0: feeling about April Fool's Day right now? Not great. Thankfully, this one is largely considered untrue. Oh. In fact, there actually isn't any record that April Fool's Day goes back to a- to Roman times. Like, we know Hilaria was a real thing, but there is no mention of April Fool's Day again until the 1300s, and even that one's a little iffy. In 1382, Chaucer published The Canterbury Tales. And as with any good, dirty, fun thing... We have the Canterbury Tales.
1: Oh my God. The Miller's story is the best part of it. And your teacher is going to try and tell you not to read that one, but you need to read the Miller's tale.
0: I remember we read Canterbury Tales or parts of it when I was in high school and I was bored out of my skull. I feel like as an adult, I might appreciate it more, but you know, I heard this was senior year. This was after SATs and stuff. I was checked out. I don't need to read stuff in... God, was that old English, like legit old English?
1: Yeah, well, it, it was translated, because I think it was in that, it was from that weird part of time when England was kind of writing in French, or am I thinking of, no, I'm thinking of Le Morte d'Arthur. ah, dang it.
0: <laughs> well, this one is The Nun's Priest's Tale, in which a fox tricks a rooster on sin March begin 30 days into which Chaucer likely meant to be 32 days after March, so May, but people misunderstand it as March 32nd, which is April 1st. So he fooled the rooster on April 1st. Then in 1508, a poem by a guy named Aloy d'Amerville, de, de who was a music person. He did a lot of stuff that... Nor- this thing he wrote would actually only be of interest to people in music except for one line in it. It was called... You ready for me to butcher some French? Oui. La livre de la de la d'Abblerie. And I tried to have that translated in Google. Google. I assumed it meant, like, the book of the devil, based on mm-hmm. what it was about. It said, the book of the dabblery.
1: The dabblery.
0: And, like, I tried different spellings. Nope, the book of the dabblery. In which Satan and Lucifer, because remember, they actually aren't the same thing. What? Well, if I understand it correctly, like, Lucifer is the fallen angel, but he's not the devil. Like, I don't understand how all of this works.
1: No, nobody does. I
0: remember once asking, like, okay, so... Is Lucifer the ruler of hell? Who's the ruler? Of, and like, nobody could actually answer this question.
1: It's, it's you. It's been you this entire time.
0: Damn it. I am wasting my time. Yeah. So they have their evil plots consistently interrupted by the author. <laughs> this, and then it has the line. Here we go. with some more butchered French. Macaro, infame, de mon homme, de mon femme, poisson d'avril. Which means basically that someone is being turned into a poisson d'avril or April fish, which I'll get into in a minute. But I think the actual Google translation is the best. An infamous mackerel of many men and many women April fool.
1: <laughs> That's a translation.
0: So it had something to do with these guys making plans and it being constantly being them constantly foiled on April on April 1st.
1: So remember that episode of Friends where Phoebe's trying to teach Joey French? Je m'appelle. Ma tu ma, je m'appelle. Boy, poo, poo, poo. <laughs> Yep.
0: It's like, I can read it relatively well for somebody who's never studied French. I just can't read it aloud. But then Flemish happens, so we got, we're, oh. we're gone now. In 1561, a Flemish poet named Edouard de Den wrote about a nobleman, and there was parts in Flemish. I was like, I'm not even going to bother
1: It's like, pretend you're speaking German, but your mouth is full of marshmallows. I
0: couldn't even read the letters. Like, they were in weird orders. About a nobleman sending a servant on ridiculous errands for a wedding feast with a roughly translated title of Refrain on Errand Day, which is the 1st of April. The servant ultimately figures out that it's an April Fool's joke, indicating that the day existed by this time. This is also where we get the idea of a fool's errand, because apparently each stanza ends with him saying, I believe you're sending me on a fool's errand. (laughs) But like I said... This indicates that this existed before then, but the story that seems the most likely to me doesn't happen until after this. So originally, it was believed by many sources to have started in the late, fi- late ugh, in the late 1500s. And I know there's a definite year in here, but all different sources were given all different years. I, it feels like 18, 1584, 1583 might be the most accurate when France switched from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. Since they didn't have the internet, not everyone knew the switch was happening, or they didn't fully understand the switch. So they, a lot of people were celebrating New Year's the last week of March, because New Year's was actually on, on Easter, which makes really more sense for two reasons. One is it's the start of a new agricultural year, because that's when you can start you know planting again in spring. And the other is that Easter is literally new birth, so or new life. So you're having new life, new year, new crops. It makes more sense for New New Year's to be in the beginning of April, end of March. Well, some people obviously had heard about this, others hadn't, and the ones who hadn't became the objects of ridicule, i.e. the April Fools.
1: (gasps) That makes sense.
0: So April Fools is calling someone else a fool, not saying I'm fooling you, I'm playing a joke on you. The pranks were not the fools, the people were. One of the pranks they pulled was to put paper fish on their backs, the poisson d'avril, or the April fish, which I mentioned a couple seconds ago, which largely symbolized that they were gullible like an easily caught fish. Mm. CNN told me this is still done today, largely by children. They stick a paper fish on their friend's back and when, uh, when their friends realize that they yell, poisson d'avril! <laughs> like April fools! Except a paper fish. But again, for what it's worth, we have all these little indicators that this existed up until this point. Shakespeare never mentions April Fool's in a single one of his plays. He probably didn't
1: like it because someone played a prank on Shakespeare and that shit don't fly.
0: But Shakespeare, this would be so in his wheelhouse. He would love having this be like the subject or part of one of his plays. Like the end of Romeo and Juliet, they both pop up and yell, April Fool's! And then realize that one of their moms is dead. and They're like, oh shit, this went far.
1: <laughs> Titus and Jeronicus, but April Fool's. <laughs>
0: Hamlet's dad isn't actually a ghost. He's got flour covering himself and then it all goes too far and he just runs off into the night. (laughs) 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 Or literally, oh my God, I know it's a real historical thing, but I know it happens on the Ides of March, but Julius Caesar, it was all just an April Fool's joke that some people thought was real. I'll get into some of those here in a bit too, but that is not one of them. (laughs) The first official mention of April Fool's was by biographer John Aubrey in 1686, which he called Fool's Holy Day. Just 13 years later, many people in one of the largest and most infamous April Fool's Day tricks of all time were tricked into traveling all the way to London for this Tower of London ceremony called the Washing of the Lions which is exactly what it sounds like. They were told they're going to wash lions. The next day, the news made wide fun of them because this was not a thing. So like these people travel in, travel for miles for something that's not real.
1: I would absolutely, if someone said, hey, um, they're going to be washing lions tomorrow. And it's like, I'm there.
0: And then the newspaper makes fun of you the next day. So obviously that was on April 1st. The day really caught on in the 18th century in Britain. In Scotland, it actually became a two-day event involving the hunting of the gawk, meaning the cuckoo bird, a symbol for a fool. And people were sent on fake errands, kind of like snipe hunts. The cuckoo bird is also a symbol of the cuckold, meaning that there might have been a little bit of I'm asleep with your wife while you're on this errand. (gasps) Oh, those Scots.
1: Those Scots.
0: DNA says I'm like 90% Scottish. This this feels right to me. The following following day was Tally Day, where people would stick tails or kick me signs on their friends' butts. (laughs) Another theory about where this all started, I should have had this up higher, but whatever. Another theory is that with it being the first day of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, Mother Nature is making fools of all of us by changing the weather all the time. Not wrong. Not wrong. And then, of course, because Christians had to have to twist everything, not Christians... Christians, but like Christian, Christians in history who were trying to make different cultures be their culture and find reasons for their things within the Bible. They tried to make April Fool's Day into something that was actually bound in the Bible and religious to make it make sense. So one of the things was when Noah releases a dove before the floods have gone. So he sends the dove on a fool's errand because, you know, the dove does not come back. But I think it does. I don't really... I like there's that, The olive branch thing, but that might have been a second dove. I don't
1: know. Yeah, more importantly, so it flooded. How was there still a green plant? Was this like... That should have died. It should have died. Don't question Noah. And then the other one...
0: The other one is when Jesus was sent from Pilate to Herod and then back... Which ended up causing the now unused phrase that also means sending someone on a fool's errand, sending a man from Pilate to Herod.
1: Yeah, I can see what they got rid of that one. That's clunky. That is super mm-hmm. clunky.
0: Another interesting theory I think about April Fool's Day is not so much when it happens in terms of the actual date, but why it happens in terms of the actual part of the year. Think about Halloween. People play pranks as well, but they are a lot meaner. Like they'll steal your stuff and break it. They'll egg your house. There are some times where things become violent, Right yeah halloween is around the time when the season starts changing from summer to fall so weather changes pressure changes all that makes people act weird april is the same thing it starts changing from winter to spring so everything's changing people get riled up and um they also say on the the street put it as april fool's day may be about nothing more or less than blowing off a little cabin fever because you've been stuck inside all winter
1: oh god we are gonna need that this year
0: yeah, but not on April 1st, guys.
1: Yeah, it's like, maybe next year or some other time we gotta let some steam off, but this year, keep that shit tight.
0: We can delay April Fool's Day until we're sure that this is not spreading anymore. Even uh, even today, many cultures have some kind of festival around this time of year when the seasons change, agriculture starts to, starts back up. Many of these celebrations do involve wearing costumes and playing pranks. Even if it's not April Fool's Day, it's just part of their of their festival. It's, what can we do to make our friends laugh? So that's a lot of stuff that happens in the springtime in different cultures. That is the basic history of April Fool's Day.
1: Okay. So we don't really know, but we've got a lot of guesses.
0: We've got a lot of guesses. But I know you're waiting for me to get into the real meat of this.
1: I want to hear about some of the crazy shit people have done.
0: Exactly. So the history of April Fool's Day, the dates that are involved, the causes of it are not well known, but we have some solid fucking documentation of what people have done.
1: Yes. I got
0: these from a few different sources, but one website, I think it was hoaxes.org, had a list of the top 100. I did not pull all of these from that list and I ended up cutting this list down significantly to just pick the ones I liked best so this wouldn't go on for hours. The first major one, other than The Washing of the Lions, was in 1708. Astrologer in London named Isaac Bickerstaff published that he predicted the death by fever of a rival astrologer named John John Partridge on March 29th. Partridge was like, I'm not really planning on dying that day, but okay, bro, that's not going to happen. On March 30th, the day after the supposed death, Bickerstaff, the one who predicted it, released a pamphlet saying that Partridge had died. (laughs) So on April 1st, when the news had fully made its way around, everybody's thinking he's dead, a sexton came to Partridge's house and literally woke him the fuck up to ask if he wanted anything specific done for his funeral. (laughs) He was like, hey, hey, What do you want me to say at your funeral? Do you have anything in particular you want me to do? And Partridge is like, hey, guy, I'm clearly not dead right now. We are having this conversation. I'm not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I'm happy. I'm happy. (laughs) He couldn't convince people he wasn't dead. And his (laughs) career ended because of this. Oh, no. To top it off, Isaac Bickerstaff was a pseudonym for Jonathan Swift. God
1: damn it, Jonathan (laughs) Swift.
0: Then in 1957, so a couple hundred years later, the BBC said that Swiss farmers were having a record spaghetti crop and showed people harvesting spaghetti from trees. And people fully bought into this. (laughs) To top it off, this was created by a freelance cameraman who produced the whole thing for £100 and then just (laughs) sold it to news networks. That's
1: wonderful.
0: I have two favorites, and this is one of them. In 1960. A viewer complained to a TV network that a black man had kissed a white woman on one of their shows. Well, the network, so not wanting to have someone be offended, flew a executive out to the one person who had complained and explained to them that the actor was not black. It was just the, um, the, the high contrast ratio of the film. He just had darker skin because of the film, the way the film worked. No one else complained, and they went through that effort. Well, satirist Paul Krasner got pissed because they're like, why are you spending this time and money appeasing a goddamn racist? So he asked the readers of his magazine to write to that same network after the April 1st airing of a celebrity panel show called Masquerade Party, which is one of those shows that apparently was completely offense-proof. Nothing on this could offend you. Saying,
1: like Masked Singer?
0: I am highly offended by everything on mass Singer, except for the astronaut, who is jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Please be Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: We need it to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the hero we need right now.
1: We thought it was Joe Exotic, but it's really Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs>
0: well, he asked them to tell them that they had been offended by something on that episode of Masquerade Party, but to not tell them what had offended them. And so the network got hundreds of letters and panicked and apparently watched the episode over and over and over trying to figure out what they needed to apologize for. <laughs> and then 1962, we're, we go to Sweden. Sweden's SVT brought in their technical expert, who's a, it's a TV thing, and he convinced people that they could create instant color television by putting nylon stockings over their TV screens and it would bend the light to create color. And apparently people in Sweden still make fun of their dads for running around the house looking for stockings. In 1976, BBC Radio 2, British astronomer Patrick Moore told everybody that at 9.47 a.m. on April 1st, the planets were going to align and gravity would be lessened. So if they jumped at that exact second, they would float a little. Hundreds of people immediately began calling the station to say that that had, in fact, happened to them. They had experienced this, with one lady saying she and her friends had actually managed to float around the room. (laughs) People can convince themselves of anything. In 1982, the Daily Mail reported that 10,000 bras had accidentally been made with wire that was supposed to be for fire alarms, and it was interfering with TV and radio broadcasts. So the chief engineer of British Telecom read the article... Believed it, and apparently ordered all his female lab employees to tell him what kind of bra they were wearing. (laughs) Um, hello, HR? (laughs) Yes. In 1992, NPR told everyone that Nixon was once again running for president with the slogan, I didn't do anything wrong, and I won't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) That same year, the Hollywood Park racetrack put out a giant sign in LA, obviously, Say, reading, welcome to Chicago, so that income airline passengers would think they'd arrived in Chicago.
1: Oh, that is, I love that one. Yeah.
0: In 1994, PC computing magazines said a bill was going through Congress that was going to outlaw using the internet or discussing any sexual matters over, uh, using the internet or discussing public matters over a public network, specifically while drunk. You could not drink and use the internet.
1: But. Then how would podcasting work?
0: I know. The bill was numbered 040194, April 1st, 1994. (laughs) He said that this bill was because the internet was called the information highway. So Congress thought that using the internet drunk was the equivalent of driving drunk. Oh, God. Lots of Congress people were called by angry voters to the point where Ted Kennedy's office had to release official statements. (laughs) This is my other favorite. And I remember this one happening. In 2014, NPR published a link to an article titled, Why Doesn't America Read Anymore? The link resulted in hundreds of comments, some agreeing, some angry. If they had actually clicked on the article, though, they would have read this. We sometimes get the sense that people are commenting on NPR stories they haven't actually read. If you are reading this, please like this post and do not comment on it. Then let's let's see what people have to say about this story.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And every year since 1985, there has been an April Fool's Day uh, oh, April Fool's Day parade in New York City. Except there never has. <laughs> and this last year, 2019, it was the April Fool's Day Parade and Trumpathon. And that is April Fool's Day.
1: That is wonderful. So uh, one of my favorite things that happened on April Fool's Day was... The library decided they were going to change our hours, so instead of closing at 9 o'clock at night, we'd be closing at 8 o'clock at night and just opening an hour earlier, because like, you know, parents were complaining about coming into the library at 10 o'clock instead of 9, stupid. What? Yeah, they didn't. They wanted to come in the library at 9 in the morning instead of 10 in the morning. Okay. So they changed the library hours. Guess what day they started it? Oh, no! <laughs> April 1st. And no one believed it. They thought, okay, this is just a prank. And... For like months, people were mad. It's like, hey, why are you closed? It's like, we put out this announcement. Oh, I thought that was an April Fool's Day joke. For months. <laughs> and like, we even, even when they made this announcement, it's like, we're starting April 1st. It's like, why? Why do you hate us? Why are you <laughs> doing this to us? Well, this year, remember, Kansas started being allowed to
0: sell beer in grocery stores on April 1st. Oh, yeah. And people were like, I will fucking believe it when I see it. Uh-huh. And it was true, they can sell beer there now, but they can't sell anything I can drink because I am allergic to beer. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, your barley allergy sucks. Well let me get all of the bad April Fool's Day jokes that, that the internet has become now, where everyone thinks that their website needs to have an April Fool's Day joke. Mm-hmm. And none of them are funny.
0: No, except for uh, in 2008, when YouTube had every single featured video, Rick Roll you. <laughs> That's funny. Remember when he rickrolled everybody at the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Yeah. Like he came out on one of the floats and just started singing. (laughs) Rick Astley, come back. Come back. We need you right now. Tomorrow night, and this is
1: before. We never should have given him up. We really let him down.
0: Tomorrow night, which of course will be in the past when you listen to this, there's this like televised we are the world situation, but it's for coronavirus and everybody's doing it from their own living rooms, which I think is so cool. And it's going to be on TV. We're going to be watching it. It's hosted by Elton John. I want Rick Astley to come on and Rickroll all of us. I think that's the relief we need right now. Yeah.
1: I just I would need uh, Joe Exotic. Will
0: from from his cell, singed us about Carol. Oh, one of the articles I read did did tell us who actually was singing. I can't remember who it was, but we were we were right. It was just lip syncing. Yeah, yeah. But there's a whole song about how Carol killed his killed her wife, her husband. And Austin and I, we didn't have a traditional wedding. We got married at a petting zoo, and then we were like, if you feel like it, come to this bar afterwards. We'll all be there. It's not a reception, so you'll be buying, you know, your own drinks and food. And we didn't do a first dance as a result. So we have decided for our fifth anniversary next year, we are going to do a first dance to that song about Carol Baskin killing her husband. It's called
1: "Here Kitty Kitty," and we're doing it in costume.
0: <laughs> no Carol Baskin costumes or
1: both of us Carol Baskin <laughs> costumes.
0: Yeah, he mentioned that for Halloween this year we should do uh, we should do costumes from this show. And I asked him if he was going to be Carol Baskin, if it was me.
1: It probably should be me so I can get the the mullet wig with the bangs. That's Joe Exotic. Oh, that is Joe Exotic. We both also took that
0: quiz, which one are you? And I got Carol Basket and he got Joe Exotic. So our rivalry needs to amp up now.
1: Yep. But not too much or I might take a hit out on you in the <laughs> stupidest way possible.
0: So, thinking of April Fools' Day, do you ever have any pranks that you played or that were played on you that you actually
1: liked? Yes, actually. Um so uh a couple of years ago, the man uh, one of the managers at our library who deals with all of like the people complaining about the content of an item, who has to then go and explain to them why it's okay for the library to have that and address their concerns because we're a public agency and we need to be transparent about this stuff. And no one's making you read it, so stop. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. Well, he can complain. It's like, yeah, it's like, man, in the last year, no, I haven't gotten any of these. I think I've gotten one. So for April Fool's, I had everyone who worked for the library fill one out. <laughs> and we put got them all on his desk. And it was just a moment of pure panic because- my current boss was in the same office as him and she was watching over his shoulder. And he just, he got in, sat down at his desk, looked at his desk, saw this and went, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh, these are fake.
0: <laughs> so he had a sense of humor about it though? He had a
1: sense of humor about it. It was pretty funny. Did it ever get traced back to you? Oh, it, and one million percent got traced back to me.
0: It's like that time that I toyed someone's yard, or this one time I toyed it, it was I pinwheeled their yard in high school. We literally went to the dollar store, bought all the pinwheels, and then put them in this person's yard so that when they opened the door in the morning, all the pinwheels would be spinning. I have no idea how he knew it was us. Absolutely none. But he called me the next day about it, and he thanked me for the present, basically. (laughs) I hate April Fool's Day. I've actually always kind of hated April Fool's Day ever since I was old enough to understand it. But when I was little, like little, little under the age of six, there was this store near us in St. Louis that sold joke stuff. And we thought it was so funny to put a fake ice cube with a fly in it in my dad's drink.
1: <laughs> oh, my favorite was we got a whoopee cushion <laughs> and we would put it in places. And it was oh, my mom was always the one who'd done it. And she got so pissed off. <laughs> She actually, like, she got set up, grabbed the whoopee cushion, and cut it into tiny pieces with scissors. She was so mad about it. Good for her. Like, oh, man.
0: See, I'm just, like, poor Austin. He loves playing pranks, and he just knows better than to do one on I me don't. because they find, I actually get upset by them. You know, it's
1: like, and the thing is, I don't want to play pranks on you because for it, for it to be a good prank, the person you play the prank on has to find it as funny as you do.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, is a lot of times, a lot of these pranks I see, they don't. And mm-hmm. that's that's where the line yeah. is. Make make sure it's some, make sure it's somebody you know, make sure it's somebody you get along with, and make sure it's something that they would also do to you if they had thought of it.
1: Okay, so I am going to go ahead and go off on a PSA here uh, about pranks in the office place. Make sure they're funny. Don't be mean. Like, everything Jim did to Dwight in the office is not a good prank. It's just mean. These are people you work with. You don't want to be an asshole. Except for the Jell-O. Except for the Jell-O. That was funny. The gel is funny. And I was going to do that to somebody, but now we're under lockdown, and I can't get into her office to put all to put her possessions into Jello.
0: Austin, you live with me. You can get into my office.
1: No, this was someone I work with.
0: <laughs> so, are you ready for some questions? I am
1: ready for some questions.
0: Will the fact that April Fool's Day is about really making fools of people and not with people be on the test?
1: No, because we have to be nice.
0: Will the fact that April Fool's Day once killed somebody, but not really, be on the test? Yes,
1: because that's funny.
0: <laughs> and will the fact that people were gullible enough to believe that spaghetti grew in teas be on the test?
1: Yeah, that will be on the test. One billion percent on the test.
0: All right, and so that is April Fool's Day.
1: Oh, God, that was a good one. I'm following up. It's like, I feel bad about doing something serious this time.
0: Hey, I, I kind of figured we need to keep things, you know, a little bit balanced once in a while. There, oh, Austin. Austin. Yeah? There was zero genocide in mine. <gasps> There's zero genocide in mine, too. That never happens! I mean, we had a an urban legend mass rape in mind, but it did turn out to most likely yeah. be an urban legend.
1: Okay, I remember something a few years ago about, like, how, like, an explanation of how April Fool's Day got started was, in fact, in, its, in and of itself, an April Fool's Day prank.
0: hmm I actually had to be very careful while I was doing this research to make sure that was not the case with any of this. Yeah.
1: So you got to talk about April Fool's Day. I'm going to talk about something else I also love. I love space and space exploration. So I'm going to talk about one of the longest lived space programs and something that's been incredibly successful and wonderful and just everything lined up perfectly. Kind of like the planets and then you jump and you float a little bit. Actually, yeah, the planets did line up perfectly for the Voyager missions. Yeah, let me, I took your joke and I just stomped on it. It was like, I see your setup here and I'm just going to Just bury it in the fucking ground. Divorce. (laughs) So yeah, the Voyager programs. These were really cool. Uh, They were two probes that were launched into...
0: (laughs) Yeah. Launched
1: into space... Back in the 70s. <laughs>
0: were they thrust into space? They
1: were thrust into space. Those thrust are, is important.
0: Those are two of my least favorite words. Probe and thrust. But a... Oh, thrust. Thrust is my moist or panties. <laughs> like, those are two words that people really Sorry, hate.
1: Sorry, just... Please don't put thrust, moist, and panties <laughs> in the same sentence.
0: But Okay, just the word thrust it icks me out and it's the sound of the word itself not any of the meanings of it. Like I don't go to the I don't go to the meanings, I go to like the sound of the word. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I'm not going to mention thrust often in this so don't worry. Okay. They were built in the 70s because at a time when the plants were going to line up that we could send space probes and hit Jupiter, uh, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune all in one go with the same probe. And not have to, like, you know, send multiple probes out to all these planets. It was a literally once-in-a-lifetime thing, because this type of alignment only happens once every 175 years.
0: What year was this?
1: This was, they were launched in 1976.
0: I'm gonna check that against my April Fool's Day date.
1: Sorry. They were launched in nineteen seventy-seven, but like
0: the... Yeah, mine was in nineteen seventy-six. He said that yeah. they were going to align. He said it was a once-in-a-lifetime event. But the
1: thing is the alignment they weren't actually aligned because of how long it takes for everything to travel. Uh huh. So it was just kind of like, a that like we could line it up with these orbital paths that they were gonna take and get to, and go like hit all these planets. So there's a lot of math in this. Uh-
0: Okay, but I'm going to sleep.
1: Let's talk about these probes, because they are amazingly cool. The entire Voyager program cost $865 million. The entire program. Now, that co- might sound like a lot, which, you know, it's $867 million. That is uh, less than 1% of the interest of the national debt. Huh. Yeah. And it's like, when they did the math over the length of this program, it's cost every American taxpayer about 8 cents. For this.
0: Um, I want my eight cents back.
1: And this was math done in the 70s, so that's like, for less than the cost of a candy bar, that's what this cost everybody. and
0: was, hey, Or eight pieces of penny candy that I could have bought.
1: Oh my god, you could have had eight entire pieces of penny candy. Eight
0: entire Tootsie Rolls.
1: Each of these probes weighed 1,820 pounds, which is about the weight of a smart car with two passengers. They were, uh, they had 12-foot parabolic antennas that they used to transmit stuff back to Earth and read like receive like orders and programming and stuff which because they're so far away now that they really desperately need them and it's just it's crazy all of the stuff on this planning and the longevity of these probes uh and they are powered by three radio thermal generators because they're going so far away from the sun that solar panels would not work to power them Mm -hmm. and it's these use radioactive pellets in containers that produce heat and they turn that heat into electricity uh, in total each of them generates about enough power to power about a quarter of an average american household all of these are about the size of a smart car using a less electricity than our house and they're using 1970s computers that actually have eight track tape decks with programs on them
0: very cool
1: and they've been going for 42 years that's amazing.
0: Why is my electric bill so expensive if they can do stuff like this?
1: Because plutonium is more expensive than what we have. So if we had like plutonium sitting in our basement, we'd have a lower electric electric bill. But we'd have plutonium in our basement.
0: People wondered why I don't go in the basement?
1: Yeah. I also had some maneuvering thrusters so they could like adjust their orbital path because no one's math is good enough to make everything perfect. They just get pretty roughly right. I had 231 pounds of scientific instruments. That's it. The scientific payload of this entire thing was 231 pounds. Uh, included things- And this is
0: back in the days when computers took up like whole rooms.
1: Yeah. Uh, the cameras on this were really cool. They actually, they were digital cameras of a sort. Like not, like kind of similar to what we have today, but very different. And because they're dealing with such low light levels and such long exposures on these planets, so far away from the sun, and it was on these probes that were moving like you know five or six miles a second, they actually had to have them on these like gyroscopic gimbals that would pan the camera slowly to keep it in line with a moving planet from the moving thing. Sent my programmers like thousands of miles away, and it took hours for the signal to even reach this probe.
0: Your hand gestures really helped with the explanation. I know.
1: But so it's really cool. Just like the camera equipment on this, the way they did it work, the thought they had to put in every step of this and how well it worked. And they had all of these other sensors. Like they had infrared sensors for atmosphere stuff, ultraviolet sensors, things for sensing magnetic fields, plasma sensors, cosmic ray detectors, like all of this neat stuff. And most of the equipment is actually still working today.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, most of them have been powered down because they're not really of use anymore because they're in deep space. But I think each of them currently has five systems that are currently running, and people are still checking them, and we're getting new information from them still 42 years later.
0: And yet we have to replace our cell phones about every two years.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we had an $865 million cell phone, I would. I bet that thing it better last for 42 fucking years. I
0: mean, isn't that what they charged for the most recent iPhone?
1: Yeah. But it has three cameras, okay?
0: Three whole cameras. Three
1: cameras. Didn't
0: I see that Samsung just made one with four or something, though? There's,
1: uh, there's one that has six that's coming out.
0: Jesus Christ. Like, at some point, your hand's just going to be covering the yeah. whole thing.
1: Yeah. So, and, of course, amongst the equipment, the one thing about this you probably do remember is the Golden Record. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a gold-plated audiovisual disc, uh, and it was really kind of built and, like, thought of by Carl Sagan, who is just amazing. And I could probably do an entire podcast about Carl Sagan. He was awesome. Mm -hmm. So it had 115 images, music and greetings from uh, all these different cultures, Carl Sagan's laughter, the sound of footsteps, a spoken greeting from the UN Secretary General, a written note from Jimmy Carter, and an hour-long recording of brainwaves from someone thinking about history, civilizations, our problems, and... The feeling of falling in love.
0: I'm just imagining the horror movie that could be made out of somebody getting this record and playing it. And like not knowing it. Having and all of a sudden there's like brainwave sounds and footsteps and laughter. That is a horror movie. Well, it's...
1: Yeah. There was also some controversy about this record. First of all, there was some line drawings of a naked man and a woman. And some people objected to the nudity. So they get replaced with silhouettes. Because heaven forbid aliens see our genitals...
0: I bet it was... Never mind.
1: Please. Please do it. Do it. I
0: bet it was some guy concerned about the size.
1: Won't someone please think of the children? <laughs> the uh, rock and roll song Johnny B. Good mm-hmm. was on it, but uh, lots of people were against it because they thought rock and roll music was too adolescent, and Carl Sagan's response was, there's a lot of adolescence on earth. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Also... Carl Sagan wanted the Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun, on the record. Uh-huh. But the Beatles record label, EMI, would not let them release it and put it on this record. And they wanted to charge $50,000 for each of the two records that were... Put. So $100,000 total to use this one Beatles song on this. The entire record record program cost $18,000.
0: But the Johnny Be Good people were like, go ahead.
1: Yeah, because I'm going to be real here. These records are going to outlast human civilization. Mm-hmm. These are going to be the only record of people, unless we, like, you know, start traveling the stars, because eventually the sun's going to explode. But these are going to be far enough away, drifting through space in relatively pristine condition for millions of years.
0: It's nice that you think that the sun exploding is what's going
1: to do us in. I'm being an optimist. This is going to be the lasting like human we existed thing that might eventually be found by some other race in space uh the Beatles aren't going to be a part of that because their record label wanted too much money
0: so paul and ringo how you feeling right now
1: yeah and of course
0: or at least ringo yeah paul ringo. Is dead.
1: paul's dead
0: oh my god austin do you not get the reference no There's this whole conspiracy theory that Paul died and they replaced him with a new guy who looked like him. And on one of the Beatles records, supposedly you can hear them saying, Paul is dead.
1: (laughs) This sounds like an April Fool's Day prank.
0: No, that's that's a real thing. I'll show you pictures later. What? No, Paul McCartney, as far as I know, is fine.
1: 2020 has been a year. I would not be surprised if this happened while we're recording.
0: Oh, we get off the recording like oh shit we got to put a little like yeah, disclaimer like, we're gonna
1: like oh god no you co- we we're checking
0: this. right now you keep going i'm making sure paul mccartney's okay
1: speaking of recordings nasa uploaded these records contents to soundcloud and if you want to you can actually look up and listen to everything that was on these records
0: yeah yeah i've heard about that
1: yeah so check it out i think it sounds pretty cool you can even buy replicas of them to play on your record players because you are that kind of dirty fucking hipster, aren't you?
0: Hey, Austin. Yeah. What do we have sitting in our bedroom that belongs to you?
1: It's a record player.
0: Yep. Paul McCartney had made, has made an official statement regarding the coronavirus a few days ago, even in times like even in difficult times like this, let's wish each other a happy St. Patrick's Day.
1: Okay, good. So he's fine.
0: So far, he sounds like he's fine, and we're good.
1: So uh, they were launched in 1977. Voyager 2 uh, was actually launched first because it was taking a longer, slower route than Voyager 1. Voyager 1 was going to be going faster. So Vo- Voyager 2 launched first. Voyager 1 got places first. So uh, they made it to Jupiter in 1979, so two years later. Yeah, Voyager 1 made it on March 5th, 79, and Voyager 2 made it on July 9th, 1979. They took thirty three thousand pictures of Jupiter and its five largest moons. One of the biggest discoveries they made about Jupiter was not about Jupiter. Uh, they discovered that one of its larger moons, Io, actually had volcanic activity. Doesn't one of its
0: is it one of Jupiter's moons that's like Earth like?
1: There's a few moons that are kind of Earth like, but not enough to actually support life as we know it. Like maybe a bacteria.
0: I once had somebody. I think from the cosmosphere come talk at my school and tell us that there was no way for aliens to live on any other planet in our solar system or any other planet we know about because they don't have atmospheres enough like ours. And then I asked about how we keep finding new animals in deep in the deep sea, if they're because they couldn't survive in the upper hearts. so they clearly like have adapted and grown differently. And she got really mad.
1: Yeah. So if if there is life on any of these moons, it's not life as we know it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across to her. I'm like, just because it's not like our life doesn't mean it can't be life. And she absolutely refused to believe it, even though she said that for a living, she studied alien life.
1: So yeah, that was, they discovered this. They also like, you know, got some good pictures of the red spot on Jupiter. Just so much more information than we ever had from Earth-based observations that it was, there's still research being done on this information from these probes. And new discoveries are being made all the time from this 30, 40-year-old stuff. And, of course, Jupiter, the transmission to Jupiter was somewhere between 35 to 52 minutes. And Jupiter is 438 million miles from the sun. So we're just going to keep track of how far things away. Uh, They both got a gravity assist from Jupiter to make them speed up a little bit. It's Uh,
0: so cool that we knew that kind of stuff was going to happen. Oh,
1: yeah. And uh, I was traveling about five miles a second when they left Jupiter.
0: That's about how fast I was going when I got pulled over while on cold medicine.
1: Nice. <laughs> Might as well call you Voyager One because you're speeding. <laughs> so they made it to Saturn in 1980. Voyager 1, Voyager One made it on in November of 1980. Voyager Two made it in August of 1980. No, sorry, 1981. I'm bad at I'm bad at writing things down today. Um, Saturn is 930 million miles from the sun.
0: How many miles are we from the sun?
1: Uh, we're one astrolog- astrological unit, which is the distance from Earth to the sun. I don't remember how many miles we are. It takes light about eight minutes to get from the sun to Earth.
0: How long would it take the pretenders to get to the sun?
1: Well, the proclaimers would have to walk- That's what I meant. The <sighs> proclaimers would have to walk 500 miles, and then they'd walk 500 more, and then they'd have to repeat that probably a couple hundred mm-hmm. thousand times. Okay. So we learned a lot about Saturn because this is further away and we couldn't observe as much with telescopes. Like we learned that Saturn is the least dense planet. It is the only planet less dense than liquid water.
0: Are you saying it's the valedictorian of the planets because it's the least dense? It's
1: the least dense. Yeah, it is. And if there was a lake large enough, first of all, holy shit, what a fucking lake. And Saturn would float.
0: Isn't Saturn kind of already floating because it's in space? Yeah,
1: but it'd float in water too.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I I thought you meant if there was... A lake on Saturn. I'm like, how can it float on its own lake?
1: Whoa. Yeah. uh, We also learned that a day on Saturn is about 10 hours long. So it's spinning real fucking fast. And we don't know why, but there are aurora lights on Saturn. Like, know how we have the northern lights and the, like... Yeah. Saturn gets those too. But it gets them at the middle latitudes, and we do not know why.
0: It's spinning really fast.
1: But it's like, instead of being at the poles, it's got them in the middle, and we don't know why it does that.
0: It's spinning really fast. Yep. Yeah. When things are going round and round so quickly, like, and your head's being spun right round, right round.
1: Like a record baby?
0: Like a record baby. You just don't know what's going to go down.
1: When it goes down, down? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this was Voyager 1's last stop. After this, it started to leave the solar system and wasn't going to encounter anything else, traveling at 38,000 miles per hour, or 7.5 miles per second-ish. I had to convert all of this from metric to American, just so that (laughs) Maddie would understand the things I was saying a little bit more. I do believe that
0: we should convert to the metric system. I also know that I will be like the people in France on April Fool's Day who don't get that it happened, and I keep speaking in Feet.
1: (laughs) Please don't speak to feet.
0: In feet. Oh, oh, that's even worse. No, I'm in a foot.
1: <laughs> While going past Saturn, Voyager 2 had a pretty major malfunction. The uh, you know the swivels for the cameras that they used.
0: He's using hand gestures to yeah. explain again. The
1: swivel. The swivel. Everyone knows what a swivel is, right? It's like a pivot.
0: It's when things turn.
1: Yep. Like a record.
0: Not like a record, that's spinning.
1: Oh. Uh. They stopped working while it was on the far side of Saturn when they weren't getting signals from it. And when it came back and started sending stuff again, they realized, oh, shit, we're getting these blurry photos. They couldn't quite figure out why it broke or what happened to it. They got it working again, but not reliably. The aliens
0: found it and didn't want to be seen on camera.
1: But this is the cool part. NASA thought, you know what? Instead of using the swivel, we can just use its thrusters to just spin it slowly Because they can do the math and make it spin just slowly enough so it tracks stuff with the camera with its more limited, like, swiveling. And have it do it that way. Okay, guys. just pivoting the entire craft.
0: This is really cool stuff you can do if you focus in math class in school. But remember, all of them carried the one.
1: Oh, yeah. This is how... Maybe that's why we haven't gone back to uh, Uranus and Neptune is because no one knows how to carry ones anymore. (laughs) So it was pretty awesome cool. But unfortunately, because of this... They'd already completed most of their mission. And they got most of the readings. They just missed getting more uh, details and more information about some of Saturn's moons and Saturn's F ring.
0: He's staring at me like he wants a reaction, but the, I'm not sure what reaction he's F-ring, looking for.
1: Saturn's F ring. Okay, it sounded like a dirty sex thing.
0: I thought it sounded like Efron.
1: Oh, uh, the F ring. So yeah, Saturn has an F ring, which was kind of braided and we don't know why. Braided? Braided. Yeah, it's got like weird patterns going through it. We're not entirely sure why.
0: Um, they went, they went on a trip to the Bahamas.
1: Yep. They finally determined that they think while it was traveling, um, some space dust hit it and damaged the, the thing, which is why it's not working as well. Because when you're traveling that fast, hitting a piece of dust can actually damage things.
0: Can I blame that every time I trip? I'm just going real fast and I ran into some dust.
1: Do it. Why are you calling into work? Well, I was going really fast and I hit some dust and it just blew my arm right off. <laughs> I'm all better. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Now, what everyone's been waiting for, Voyager 2 went on to Uranus. It made it to Uranus on uh, January 24th, 1986. So this was like five years later because-
0: Austin existed. I did not.
1: Yep. Because Uranus is 1.84 billion miles from the sun. While it was there, by the way, this is the only- probe that's ever been to Uranus. This is the only craft we've sent out there.
0: (gasps) I was waiting for it. I was waiting for you to say that.
1: What, about probing Uranus? Ew. Uh, And
0: the thing is, you know, it doesn't get better when you change it to the alternative pronunciation. Uranus? Yeah. There is no good pronunciation of this.
1: It's probably why we haven't been back, is because no one can take it seriously.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know that there are even, like, scientists who chuckle at it every single time.
1: Yeah. Because they they discovered... (laughs) Uh, 11 moons around Uranus. <laughs> and two- We were just getting it back. And two new rings. <laughs> we're adults. Literally, while I was researching this, some new information about Uranus was announced. <laughs> <laughs> and they were going over some data, and they found, they think they might- Thought that was a like a glitch or something at first. Might have actually been like a previously unknown atmospheric phenomenon. And it was like a magnetic plasma bubble that shows how Uranus use, loses atmosphere. Basically how gases escape from Uranus. I was going to say! It's like that's just the planet farting. All right. So the scientists want to go back to Uranus for this reason. And because Uranus is actually just kind of weird, a weird planet in general. It's got like, its orbit's a little different. Instead of, like, spinning all the planets spin the same way, except for Uranus, it's, like, tilted 90 degrees. It spins differently.
0: Okay, like, this is, like, half the reasons we got rid of Pluto, and Pluto doesn't get to be a planet anymore.
1: Uranus is huge, though.
0: Um, I'm sorry, but we don't say other small things aren't what they are. No. It's, like, when a cat is a baby, we don't say it's not a cat.
1: Unfortunately, Uranus was also actually kind of boring. It didn't have, like, the big bands, like, Jupiter or, like, the... The rings like Saturn and all of that stuff and well, stripes.
0: none of them had the big bands. The Beatles didn't
1: get to go. Uranus was just kind of this uniform kind of bluish color and not as exciting as the other planets.
0: Except it's turning in a totally different direction. Yeah, it's
1: just a weird one and they want to go back for that reason, but it didn't produce any good photos. But they also got a lot of great data out of it.
0: Um, maybe they didn't use the right filter.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Like, and Did get- they try the puppy one? They should have done the puppy filter on Uranus. <sighs> Thank you for setting me up with that one. So let's, let's move off of Uranus. Please do. <laughs> and on to uh, Neptune, the last stop, which is 2.78 billion miles from the sun. So about t- about another billion miles further than Uranus. Neptune, it made it there on August 27th, 1989. So 12 years after it launched.
0: It's a sixth grader now.
1: Meaning that there were... This was an actual thing that happened. There were people who are grad students and interns who were there at the start of this mission, who by the time it ended... We're actually, like, leading entire departments of NASA. This project lasted people's entire careers. Uh-huh. And it, again, it's still going on now.
0: It's like, there are probably some people who were the interns then that are still kind of working on this now. Because, yep. oh, yeah. like, I know that they're not obsolete, but not used as much. But I'm sure there's, like, still a team that's like, this is our oh, thing.
1: Yeah, there's there are an enti- there are still teams that work on Voyager. They're still getting data and discovering new stuff about the universe with these probes and uh so 12 years after the launch they discovered six moons four rings and a dark spot which is a storm about the size of the earth kind of like jupiter's famous red spot they found one on neptune too Uh, it does have 1500 mile per hour winds so pretty cool
0: is it because uranus is farting on it and that's how much the winds are it
1: just wants to be further away it's got a fan (laughs) for uranus uh this was its closest approach because it was the end of the mission so they figured they could take some extra risks with it and maybe get some more information because, again, at like, you know, almost three billion miles away, we're probably not going to be spending something else out there anytime soon. And if we can get something more out of it.
0: Um, I'm sorry. Space Force can get there, Austin. Space Force can do anything.
1: Space Force. Maybe we should send Space Force there. I've got a special cadet I'd love to send. Mm-hmm. There's no coronavirus in space.
0: There's no coronavirus here. It's all a hoax.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the special space cadet said.
0: <laughs> and the aliens will think he's one of them because he's, de- he's he'll be the same color.
1: And near the end, they uh, actually changed its final path to get it close to uh, Neptune's largest moon. So they can, like, steer these. Kind of. It has got it has thrusters and gases to, like, kind of maneuver it. Because, uh-huh. again, they can't get the orbital paths perfect, especially with the gravity assists. So they need to adjust them slightly as they travel, as they get telemetry.
0: Look at you, the science words that I don't Science words.
1: Know. So it's, and on this moon, they found some stuff they did not expect to see. They have actually found a geologically active moon... With geysers, and not what they suspected to be just a frozen ball of ice when nothing was happening. Uh, it actually has the lowest recorded surface temperature of any measured body at negative three hundred ninety-one degrees Fahrenheit, and it still has geological activity. They think it's because of tidal forces from Neptune, meaning because it's spinning around, like gravity is still causing some friction and it heats stuff up enough so it melts in the core and spurts out as gases or from its magnetic field kind of heating things up a little bit like a microwave not entirely sure and it's something called cryovolcanism, where like <laughs> instead of like liquid rock it's like liquid methane or liquid nitrogen that is instead of being a solid is now a liquid and it spurts out i love liquid
0: nitrogen
1: liquid nitrogen's
0: it's like i went to the doctor because I had a like a lump on my back that I couldn't, that I, you know, and I had Austin look at it. We both were like, oh, it looks like a pimple It'll go away. It didn't go away. Turned out it wasn't anything to worry about. It was a wart. And I know that's gross, but it was a wart that was on my back. And she got so excited. She goes, I get to use the liquid nitrogen. And so she went <laughs> off and she got the little cup of liquid nitrogen. She froze it off. And then she goes, now for the best part, come with me. And this is like, this is my medical professional. And I love this. I love this. She goes in the hallway and she kind of looks down the hallway and then throws it down the hallway so that we can see, like, the the liquid nitrogens bounce and stuff. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Like, seriously, I will frequent a business or, in this case, a medical professional more often if it's clear they enjoy what they do. And she does.
1: Around Neptune? There is only one-tenth of one percent of the amount of sunlight we get here on Earth, so it's really dark. And it took 160 minutes for the transmissions from Neptune to make it back to Earth because of the speed of light. That's how far away it was. Neptune's far, y'all.
0: It's like going across the state of Indiana. Even further. It's like going across Indiana. Twice.
1: Yeah, the gap between Uranus and Neptune is bigger than Indiana.
0: (laughs) Nothing is bigger than Indiana when you're just trying to get across it.
1: Even though they've completed their official mission, they actually are still doing stuff with these Voyager probes, like I've mentioned. Uh, They're both operational today, even though their radiothermal generators are losing power due to the half-life of radioactive materials. So they're producing less and less power as time goes by. So is the
0: idea that when aliens find it, they'll just be kind of like floating floating space trash?
1: Yeah, floating space trash with a disk that hopefully will... It's got instructions for how to, like, interpret the data on it and make it work.
0: Because but, we assume that they'll read a human language?
1: It's it's really is weird. Is it like
0: Ikea instructions? Yeah, it's like
1: Ikea instructions.
0: But what if they don't have hands?
1: Or eyes, yeah.
0: What if they do everything through sense of smell?
1: So yeah, it's like they might be able to figure out, but hopefully they'll have scientists who will be able to look at stuff like we do and figure out what's going on with those disks. So who knows? Uh, uh, Voyager 1 left the solar system, and this is in quotes in 2013, because there's lots of ways to measure leaving the solar system. This was, they just left like a plasma envelope thing and cosmic rays and solar radiation are interacting differently now but it still hasn't even made it out to the Oort cloud which is where comets come from which is still within like the sun's gravitational realm even though they're both traveling fast enough that they are eventually going to leave the sun's gravity completely so it's been 42 years and they're still nowhere near out of the solar system by some measures but we like you know it's like it left the solar system today because they're still the furthest things from earth that we have created uh here we go at the time of the recording according to this uh the voyager one the mission time is 42 years six months 23 days it has traveled 13 billion miles from the earth uh its speed is thirty-eight thousand miles per hour Uh, it takes 20 hours and 35 minutes for a transmission from voyager one to reach earth
0: so if an alien found it we wouldn't know for almost a day
1: yeah and voyager 2 uh mission time 42 years seven months eight days because they launched it first it's 11.5 11.5 billion miles from Earth, traveling at 34,000 miles per hour, and only has a 17-hour and 8-minute one-way light speed. You can look all of this up on NASA and the Jet Propulsion Lab's website for Voyager. It's got all of their mission information and like current ongoing stuff with them because they're cool like that. <laughs>
0: Are are there cool photos of of stuff that it's taken and
1: oh yeah some tons of cool photos that again currently they're just out reading deep space cosmic rays and like the sun's plasma and all that weird stuff and making new observations but sadly both are near the end of their expected life it takes a lot of power for them to even transmit and receive stuff from Earth and they're losing power as time goes on and they're just gonna be able, we're just gonna be able to stop being able to communicate with them because they're getting further away and losing power and we're reaching that point. Sadly. Oh,
0: God, I remember when the Mars robot, like, died. You were so upset.
1: I'm going to be so sad when these guys die. Oh. They're expected to die this year.
0: Oh, no. Okay. I'm well, just... it's
1: like, also, uh, the Mars robot, like, died the same week my grandpa did. And there might have been a lot of, like, misplaced emotions.
0: <laughs> like, wasn't its last message out something really sad?
1: It's getting dark and my battery is low. I'm sad now.
0: I'll put that on your tombstone for you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, what tombstone? and mine
0: and mine will say he made me put that on his tombstone. Um,
1: no, first of all, I'm not going to have a tombstone because you're going to feed me to tigers. We've been discussing <laughs> this.
0: Sorry, right, you're feeding me to sharks, so that's not my choice.
1: Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about something else that Carl Sagan did, and that is the pale blue dot. You might have seen this picture. It is in 1980. Car- uh, sorry, in 1990, Carl Sagan asked NASA to take one last photo with Voyager, with Voyager One. They spun it around and they took a photo of Earth. In this picture. Earth is just a pale blue speck that is roughly a quarter of the size of a pixel. It is from 6 billion miles away. And he actually wrote something about this in his 1994 book Pale Blue Dot. And look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That is us. On it everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you have ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their and lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in history of our species has lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors, so that in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner, how frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self importance, the delusions that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The earth is the only world we have known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least not in the near future. To which our species could migrate visit yes settle not yet like it or not for the moment the earth is where we make our stand carl sagan is brilliant and so much emotion out of just a literal speck in a photograph that is quite literally everything in our history
0: except the international space station
1: Except the international... No, yeah that, that wasn't there. Actually, no, that was there in 90. No, it wasn't there yet. I think the every, only thing that wasn't in that picture from humankind was Voyager with its golden record that, that does not have the Beatles on it. So yeah, so some more information about this thing. 11,000 man years of work went into building this and manning this project. That's the same amount of labor that went into building the Great Pyramids of Giza. uh It's sent... uh The Voyager probes have sent back 625 gigabytes of the data they gathered in photos and readings which is not a ton yeah that's like that's about a half half of your hard drive is all of the data we got out of voyager and yet people have been studying it and making new discoveries with this information for 40 years so i'm gonna say voyager is one an amazing success in human ingenuity so are you ready for some questions sure all right Will the fact that they used 8-track-based computers on this be on the test?
0: They'd have to explain what an 8-track is first.
1: Yeah. <laughs> will Uranus be on the test?
0: How'd you spell it?
1: You a in U-S.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Will the fact that we thought naked people were too racy even for aliens be on the test?
0: No, because we would still think that now.
1: Yeah. And will the absolutely insane greed of a record company that kept the Beatles off of the golden record be on the test? No. Yeah. That's still the part. Of, that's like the one thing I learned in all of this was the the entire Beatles thing. Everything else I had gotten from a book I read a couple of years ago and I just kind of refreshed myself on the information. It was written by a guy who worked at first as an intern at the beginning of it and was running the department by the time it finally did its its flyby of Neptune. Really great book. I'd recommend reading it. I don't remember the author or the title, but you can look it up. Two smart people
0: call You're a librarian. Oh wait,
1: yeah, call a smarter librarian. <laughs> so yeah, that was Voyager.
0: All right.
1: I didn't, I didn't get choked up. I thought I would. Just a little bit.
0: I could see it starting, which is why I was trying to say, hey, not everybody that you've ever loved is, will, will necessarily have been in this picture. Yep. Or at least now they wouldn't.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that was Voyager.
0: Very cool. We had very different topics today. We had
1: very different topics. I had a serious one and you had the funny one.
0: Yeah. Although I think yours probably has more relevance throughout, you know, human history than mine. Yep. So
1: what did you learn this week? I learned that
0: the Voyagers are going to die this
1: year. <laughs> I know they might die this year. I mean, that's like that, that would was just be that the was the icing on the shit cake. That, that was this year. that was their that is the, that was their estimate that they'd last until 2020. But I mean, they could be wrong. The Mar- that Mars rover got so sad about lasted years longer than they thought it would. So we might still have Voyager for a while. Or I might just like you know get out of this. And like last week, we had all those notifications about how the county was shutting down and we were all gonna have to shelter in place. I might be get to like messages of like Voyager died while you're recording. <laughs>
0: Hey, but Paul McCartney's still okay at last check. Paul
1: McCartney's still okay. Oh, God. (laughs) We've been predicting the future a lot in episodes. Maybe we
0: should just stop saying things. Maybe we should. That'd be the worst podcast ever. Just us sitting here in silence and then at the end of it saying, check our socials.
1: I I also, this week I learned that the history of April Fool's is not funny, but the history of April Fool's Day pranks is amazing. There are some, people thought spaghetti was grown on trees.
0: Spaghetti is not even from... What country was it? Sweden? I can't remember what country it was. France. No, it wasn't growing in France.
1: I don't know. Yeah, spaghetti growing on trees somewhere. Spaghetti
0: spaghetti grows on Italian trees.
1: Italian trees. It's kind of like how you can't have champagne. It's like there's noodle trees in other places, but spaghetti only grows on Italian trees. Much like champagne is only from the Champagne region of France, everything else is just sparkling white wine.
0: Unless you're Joe Exotic, in which case you are the Champagne of Oklahoma. I know it's not my fault, but I'm Lynn. Let me down this week because In the Heights got indefinitely delayed. And you have to understand, I'm not a weepy person, and I cried during the trailer for
1: In the Heights. No, she cries every time she sees the trailer for In the Heights.
0: I've seen in the heights and it's so beautiful and I cried and now they're delaying it. I'm like, that was my light. That was my light at the end of this tunnel. I don't care if they delayed it in terms of like, we're delaying it until this is over, but they're like, no, we're still fixing some stuff. And so we don't know when it, like how long the delay will be after this is over. And I'm like,
1: oh man. So I, so I cry when science robots die. She cries when Lin-Manuel Miranda makes beautiful songs.
0: About the oppression and hope of a culture of people in the United States, yes. Yes.
1: <sighs> hey, I cry about science robots. <sighs>
0: <laughs>
1: Are they being oppressed? I mean, they don't get paid.
0: So you all can find us on social media, on Facebook at OnTheTestPod, Twitter at OnTheTestPod, Instagram at OnTheTestPod. We're mostly doing pictures of our board games right now. But we'll also do some cat pictures. We do stuff relevant to the episodes. Maybe someday we'll show you our beautiful faces. What else should they do?
1: They can subscribe. they can subscribe to us on iTunes and write reviews of us. It's really cool. It actually does help us and like get people to see us. So if you like us, write a review, you know, say some nice things about us. And you know what? Contact us on Twitter or anyway if you've got questions, suggestions for topics, corrections.
0: Oh, and also it really does help if you download the episode too. Oh yeah,
1: download the episode. It's like
0: even if you like listen to them, it doesn't always count. I guess I'm not really sure how all of this works, but it looks like downloads count more than listens. I don't understand it, but download, please download,
1: download, download, download and suggest this to a friend. You know, it's like we've talked about a lot of shit. Tell friends, like, hey, listen to this episode about Pliny the Elder. Guy was crazy,
0: or listen to this episode about Black Friday. You monster who goes shopping on Black Friday. Yeah, oh my.
1: COVID-19 is finally going to kill Black Friday?
0: I think we're a little too far off to tell. Although, guys, right now is a good time to get some Christmas shopping done. Like, even even if it's just making a list of things to buy once places reopen, but a lot of warehouses are still open and people do need to get mm-hmm. paid, maybe leave Amazon a little bit alone right now. And on that note, nope. class, class dismissed. dismissed.